Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Well, Mr. President, Mr. President, I just, I just demoted you, Mr. Prime Minister. It's great to have you back. And, uh, you know, uh, the past few months we've met each other in San Diego, and then we met in uh, Belfast, and we met in Hiroshima, and now we're here. We're going to solve all the problems of the world right in this next 20 minutes. But, uh, um, you know... Uh And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 10th of June, year of our Lord, 2023. How about them biscuits? We um, have a totally incompetent president. And then we have one, because I'm going to go right into soundbite. This, this is our future Democrat president. Now to a story you will see first right here on Today. An historic announcement by California Governor Gavin Newsom that could affect the entire country when it comes to gun control. NBC's Jacob Soboroff sat down exclusively with the governor. Jacob, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning to you. Every week in this country, there is another mass shooting, but in the aftermath, Little seems to be done to stop more of them. Now, California Governor Gavin Newsom is taking an unprecedented step, which he says will do just that. He's proposing a new 28th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution that, if passed, would restrict access to guns in all 50 states. Why a constitutional amendment and why now? Well, why now is pretty self-evident that a lot of the laws we've passed are being rolled back by the federal courts. To be clear, you're not calling for the abolition of the Second Amendment. This is an existential crisis that we're experiencing every single day. Saying he's fed up with Congress's inability to act, California Governor Gavin Newsom is proposing something never done before on gun control. Having states work together to pass a U.S. constitutional amendment on guns that would implement four measures nationwide. Raise the minimum age for buying a firearm to 21. Mandate universal background checks. Require a reasonable waiting period for gun purchases. And ban the sale of assault rifles to civilians. To achieve this, he'll need two-thirds of states to propose the same amendment. That would trigger a constitutional convention, where three-quarters of states would have to vote yes for the amendment to pass. But more than half of these state legislatures are controlled by Republicans. So how is this possible? How is this going to happen? It's possible because their constituency demands it. 
In fact, a recent Fox News poll found most Americans are in favor of these measures. There's not a parent out there, not one parent, you included, that doesn't think about these things when you send your kids to school. You know very well what the critics are going to say about this. California has some of the strictest gun laws in the nation. In the first month of the year, between Half Moon Bay and Monterey Park, 18 people were killed. That's what they're going to say. What do we need this 28th Amendment for? And well, California's gun death rate today is 73 percent lower than Texas. These federal judges want to turn America into Texas. We cannot let that happen. The 19th Amendment to the Constitution that gave women the right to vote, it took 40 years or so. Do you think that the 28th Amendment, if it's passed, will it happen in your lifetime? I hope so. If you don't start, it will never happen. Again, guys, just to be really clear, to even get this amendment off the ground, California would need to be joined by two-thirds of the other states. Governor Newsom's first order of business is going to be shoring up support in ones with Republican-controlled legislatures. There is no question this is going to be a very uphill battle. Historically, there has never been a U.S. constitutional amendment proposed by states that have ever passed, Hoda. All right, Jacob so brought for us there. Jacob, thank you. That dude is bucking for Democrat nomination. He's going to take your guns. 28th Amendment. It'll never pass, of course, because it's got to get approved by 60% of all states. That's not going to happen. It's it's a con- that's why the ERA didn't get nominated, and that actually had support, and this one actually does not. So that ass hat is in the news a lot, and I just want to make sure we remember those are the dick faces so some upfront stuff before we get into the big news as we already know it's all going to be trump from the beginning of this podcast Koenig number one evidence shockingly suggests that the fbi is shielding two firms closely tied to chinese government which have financed and developed an american election software company for the past 15 years all while transferring confidential election data back to china Koenig has provided election administration and logistics software in many prominent cities and counties in the United States. It's surprisingly not surprisingly all blue states except for a county in Texas and a county in Florida. On August 13, 2022, Catherine Enbrecht and Greg Phillips convened a group of researchers to discuss how the FBI headquarters had betrayed them following a 15-month investigation. In 2002, Connick's CEO Eugene Yu was an officer on the finance committee of a Chinese foundation that flew Charles Lieber, the head of Harvard Chemistry Department, to Zhejiang University to give a speech on noting in the world. And I'm not going to go anymore on it because it's just kind of in the weeds, but yeah. Yeah, that, that with a president that's owned. And then from Todd in Oregon, I didn't fuck it up this time. Cuba gives China permission to build spying facility on island. U.S. Intel says. So they're listening to us. They have the TikToks in our pockets. At least not my pocket. I realized it kind of sucked. And we have a total clusterfuck for our next election. Before I go into what the media is obsessed with, 
We have talked on this show for two years plus about Joe Biden and Burisma and firing motherfuckers and all that shit. Well, that broke this week. The media didn't cover it, but we will. And I'm sorry. It's Jesse Waters. It's all I could find. Fox News alert. We're learning what's in the Biden bribe document that the FBI has been trying to hide. And the allegation inside this document is explosive. Sources familiar with the document tell Fox News Digital that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were paid $10 million in bribes by Ukraine. This was while Joe Biden was vice president. A highly credible confidential source had multiple meetings and conversations with a top executive at Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company where Hunter worked, and these conversations stretched for five years. And the source told the FBI about these conversations in June 2020. That's right as Joe Biden was wrapping up the Democrat nomination. The Burisma executive told the FBI's confidential source that Burisma had to pay the Bidens for help getting rid of the Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating Burisma for corruption. Quote, Five million for one Biden, five million for the other Biden, the Burisma executive told the confidential human source. Now, people who've seen the document tell us that the five million dollar payments were a kind of retainer agreement that Burisma had with the Bidens to deal with a number of issues, one of which was getting rid of this prosecutor. Other issues Burisma needed Biden's help with was help with oil deals. Now, the executives said they needed to pay Joe Biden because Hunter was, quote, unquote, dumb and couldn't get much done by himself. People who've seen this document say it looks like a pay-to-play scheme. The confidential source said the Burisma executive told him he paid the Bidens in such a manner through so many different bank accounts that investigators would not be able to unravel this for at least 10 years. Now, this jives with how the Chinese paid the Bidens, laundering money through a maze of LLCs. Now, this document even refers to the big guy. And remember, Joe Biden's referred to as the big guy on Hunter's laptop. The Burisma executive told the confidential source that he didn't pay the big guy directly. And Joe Biden was asked about these bribe allegations today. Listen. FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to the congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, Biden's answer is interesting, isn't it? Where's the money? He's almost teasing us, isn't he? Like it's a game, like it's a cat and mouse. Well, we know that at least $6 million of Chinese money went to nine Biden family member bank accounts. So that's where the money went. And we know what this document, that the Burisma executive disguised the payments to Biden. But can Joe Biden really say he wasn't bribed if his... On top of that, he has been caught with... I'm doing a liberal slap hand thing, but I'm doing it in real life. Caught with shit in his house, in a Chinese-funded Biden center. And I'm going to play before I play the media jerk off because I'm going to play it. I'm going to reduce it down because this is all the media is talking about because they're so happy. They're just jerking off two hands using feet. Bucket of KY. Just, oh, yeah, and then we still got the election interference in Florida. 
Cuomo says it looks fishy, followed by Maddo admitting, oh, I bet they'd stop this investigation if he just didn't run for president. Uh, so these concerns, you know, everybody loves conspiracies these days. I'm not so sure that these investigations uh, aren't done in a way that winds up intentionally or unintentionally helping uh, the former president, to be honest, because every time there's a swing, it seems to expose the fact that they go after him with what seems to be at or below a level of anything that would be impressive to people reviewing the documents. What's your take on this? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm, not, I'm obviously not a fan of Donald Trump. I wrote a book about the, the guy called Insane Clown President. Um, but, you know, my feeling is if you're going to take the very extreme step of uh, indicting somebody who's the likely nominee of the opposition party, uh, the, the, the charge has to meet two tests. It has to be extremely serious and it has to be an airtight case. And I think both of these cases fail uh, on both of those points. Yeah, you know, a buddy of mine who's a, a very smart guy uh, and a lawyer, but, you know, just a kind of consumer of uh, all things relevant like yourself. He was like, hey, I don't care that it's during the election. The fact that you're running shouldn't shield you. Maybe he's running because he knows it's his best defense on these things. Maybe. But I think that to the majority, the optics are terrible. If you're swinging at somebody during an election and you don't have what we deem the goods. Now, what does that look like in this case? Do you think it comes down to, well, what are the documents he was keeping? Well, again, I mean, I think if you are a person who grew up in a third world country, you would recognize this kind of thing as something that happens um, in, in a non entirely free society. So that's the optics of this are terrible. I mean, there's no you have to wonder if the Justice Department is considering whether there is some political solution to this criminal problem, whether part of the issue here is not just that Trump has committed crimes, but that Trump has committed crimes and plans on being back in the White House. Do they consider as part of a potential plea offer something that would prescribe him, proscribe him from 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 running for office again? I don't know. I, I would imagine if anything like that happened, that it would have to come from the defense side of the negotiation, that the, mm. that the Trump team would, would say, oh, by the way, and with this, we will also, you know, drop out of the, uh, the race for president. Uh, otherwise, it would put the Justice Department in this position that Donald Trump claims they're in. You know, he claims they're trying to stop him, simply trying to stop him from becoming president again. And that's the only reason uh, they're doing this. So. Did you see how many times she blinked? That's exactly what they're doing. No president, A, has been raided, B, has been indicted in Florida for grand jury details they did in Washington, D.C. They read them to the people in Florida. Investigation was in D.C. This is just a total hit job. They don't want them running for president. They, the media, the intel state, I mean, it's banana Republican shit. Republican, banana Republic shit. And I don't even like Trump. I don't want him to run. I, I'd like Scott and DeSantis to team up and go, hey, we're the ticket. And we get rid of Grandpa fucking Moses up here with his fucking head up his goddamn ass. And the media not reporting anything anymore. But this is banana republic shit. You, you just don't do this. You don't do this. This is not 
what we do. And cunt bag, and why most of us with a heartbeat and who remember just seven years ago, this douche nozzle had a shitter server with all sorts of shit off there, and Cuomo came out and said we couldn't interrupt a fucking election. What she did was wrong, but we're not going to charge her. But now we're charging Trump, and they will not charge a sitting president, so Biden's not going to get charged. And it literally validates what all of us feel. If you're a non-prog in the United States of America right now, you feel the justice system is only going after non-progs. You can burn down whole cities. You can fucking hurt 50 fucking Secret Service and breach the goddamn White House. The media will cover and say that you see us on you. And, oh, Donald Trump did a stupid Bible reading thing at a church. But if you walk in the Capitol after the doors are opened by officers, you do absolutely nothing. You're getting arrested like a thousand People have been arrested just for walking in the building, not hitting people. I mean, they even made up that they bludgeoned people to death and they used a whole fake guy died and he clearly didn't. To this day, they say officers were killed. People were armed and they weren't. They were armed with flagpoles. Then we can just go to the street. It's okay to burn down half a fucking Wisconsin. It's okay to rat fuck uh, pro-life facilities and churches. Firebomb cop cars. We're not going to arrest you. We're going to do op-eds about how fucking horrible it is. They were just caught up in the moment. That has been a defense for almost every BLM Antifa fucktard that's been arrested. But go pray on a sidewalk by PPFA. You're getting jail time, bitch. We're going to take the FBI. We're going to raid your fucking house, kick doors in, and use flashbangs. I mean, they went to remote Alaska to rem- to fucking arrest people that didn't even enter the Capitol. Nick Searcy's documentary, if you've not watched it, you have to, because it's real people. And what was done to them while this fucking human cock-sucking piece of shit waste of humanity has destroyed people's lives since 1992. Power-hungry cunt. Left guys to die in Benghazi. And said, what difference does it make? So she makes hats and jokes. Yeah. Pretty much across the board. It's if you're conservative, you see for what it is. If you're non-conservative, just a non-prog like Jerry Dempsey here. Or Jerry Dempsey. It's an old friend of mine. Ben Shapiro. Trump's alleged behavior is proven 
as the indictment claims, is nuts, irresponsible, mind-boggling, ridiculous. Also, by the Comey logic, clearing Hillary prosecuting Trump is an absurd double standard, and prosecuting the president's chief rival is utterly destructive. Comey made this bed in 2016 when he decided that willfully mishandling classified information and leaving it open to possible exposure to hostile actors was not prosecutable. You can't now reverse that standard as soon as a name on the indictment is Trump. Somebody's reply, if an indictment goes through and he ends up getting legally barred from running for president, whatever GOP candidate makes it through needs to guarantee Trump a spot on their team, either in the cabinet or press secretary. That would be fantastic. That's actually pretty funny. And then this guy, I found just the day after, because I didn't even know this happened because I wasn't watching news. Um... So let me get this straight. The FBI was withholding from the congressional oversight a document showing that during the Obama administration, Biden accepted a $10 million bribe through a son hunter to force the firing of a Ukrainian prosecutor that was investigating corruption. An event that Donald Trump looked into, sparking the first impeachment and forcing the army of Ukraine, in turn setting the stage of the current war against Russia. Evidence of the bribe was also in Hunter Biden's laptop, which the FBI also had, but they had swore was Russian disinformation and infiltrated social media to censor during the 2020 campaign. All while the FBI investigates Trump for having classified documents, despite the FBI immediately letting Hillary Clinton offer a similar charge in 2016 when they were simultaneously launching the Russiagate investigation into Donald Trump using falsified evidence provided by the Clinton campaign. Do I have that right? Yeah, but you missed Biden. Also has documents everywhere. I don't know if I got this one. No, I didn't. Julie Kelly. So I guess we're supposed to ignore the fact that Garland, Monaco, DOJ, and Jack Smith investigated almost the entire case in regime-compliant D.C. court, then basically read out all collected evidence to a Florida grand jury in indict. That's not shady? Well, it's completely shady. It's 100% shady. It's all shady. And I don't mean slim shady. So here are just some of the choice bites of the media. So happy. You even get some, uh, the last one will be Joe Scarborough. It was such a bad day for America. Even though underneath the table, Mika is giving him a hand job. I am a Republican, the media jerk off of the week. You've got these investigations in Delaware that are a thousand times more serious by a sitting president who has authorized his DOJ to try to sink the candidacy of his prime opposition while that guy has unsecured documents that he stole out of a skiff dozens of years ago. So, look, you know, we're not talking what about some talking sort of about, favoritism. What are you talking about? That is a ridiculous statement. Uh, there's this issue. Okay, I, I forgot that soundbite, so I, I, I'm going to pause for a second. Remember, that guy worked for Clinton and Hillary. That's our media. And he 100% just acted like facts are made up. Everything that ex-Trump lawyer said is 
100% true. He stole documents out of skiffs as the vice president. That's where this stuff comes from. It was reported by the New York Times, not Fox, Daily Wire, Daily Caller, Infowars. It's not a conspiracy. What was a conspiracy was the whole Russia thing. It's now been proven. Nobody's going to jail for that. But that's how our media handled it. It was like, oh, that's just dis and miss info. I do want to speak to the history of all of this and the most notable case that a lot of people cite when they look at what's happening now and what has happened in the past is the case of President Richard Nixon and Watergate. Uh, but there is a key difference, which you just mentioned now, which is that back then Republicans turned on their president because of the enormity of all of the evidence that was coming out about Nixon. That is not happening today. What's the difference? Why? At least not at this moment. I was encouraged, Sarah, by your comment that Mitch McConnell and some of the Senate are kind of holding back on fire. We just don't have uh, moderate Republicans like Howard Baker of Tennessee or conservatives like Barry Goldwater of Arizona. Um, back then, the fact that Nixon broke the law was enough. His party is, is largely rallying around him, and, and we don't know the facts of the case yet. This is another one of those instances where we are all stewards of our system, and we all have to be very careful because we don't know what the facts are. And yet a lot of people, including the House Speaker, are rushing in and saying this is a political politicization, that it's a weaponization. Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, yeah. said that. Um, we don't know. And, and, you know, it's not only the retention of records and the possible dissemination of information that's the most highly sensitive, but it's also obstruction of justice. When you receive a subpoena, you can't lie about whether you've answered the subpoena. You're not. Well, I mean, it's not going to work except my, uh, you know, Florida has, is, is not the Florida that people used to think of as just like lots of oranges, beaches and Disney. Florida is now the home to one of the largest concentrations of extremist groups in the country. Uh, it has now become a beachhead for uh, racial extremism, Nazism, open Nazism, people marching in the streets, even in places like South Florida, places like Orlando. Um, it has become a kind of headquarters. Quarters. The Proud Boys have a huge base in Florida, in Miami-Dade County. They have members, uh, or at least affinity people, on the Broward School Board. They have essentially taken over the Miami-Dade Republican Party. So Florida is in many ways um, a place where the danger um, to the country. How many Floridians were there on January 6th? A lot. They are a, a huge source of extremism and pro-Trump extremism specifically. You know, and sadly, and we're also, seeing and I will an add increase. one more thing: it's also a state now where you can carry a firearm without a permit. Sorry. I'm concerned, and if she, you know, handles it through the trial, she made some very unusual rulings uh, in the course of the litigation surrounding the search warrant appointed by Trump. So, Judge Cannon, you know, I want to be fair to her. Maybe she can, you know, rule in an unbiased way, but she made several rulings that were overturned very quickly by her superiors in the in federal appellate court um, that were seen as unusual. Andrew can speak about this more. So, she has a, you know, a moment, a chance here in American history to to oversee a fair trial, and I hope she does that. Andrew, my understanding is judges like this would be selected randomly. So it just happened to end up back in her lap. But given her history in the case, 
would this be a situation in which, because of public perception of, you know, whatever, that they would choose to intentionally shift this away from her court? So I think there there's still some unanswered questions. One, was this a complete random selection? Uh, the idea that that out of you know a dozen or so judges, it just happened to then go to the same judge and magistrate judge could happen mathematically, but seems unlikely. The other, I will say, I, I, this is this is this is a dark day for America. And if anybody thinks I'm I'm being uh, glib or 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 or, uh, or not completely uh, straightforward in saying that they don't understand. This is something I've feared for a long time. I remember having the discussion when people were talking about indicting George W. Bush because of supposed war crimes. I said, okay, that's great. What are you gonna do four years from now or eight years from now when Republicans try to indict Barack Obama uh, for, for war crimes, for, for the drone warfare, for whatever. Um, but here we are, and um, I'm sure you agree with me, it is a bleak, dark day for America, uh, but also a day that we, we knew had to come. I mean, Donald Trump, the, the, I think perhaps one of the, the most dangerous uh, political and constitutional norms he's broken through is this one, that a former president is actually indicted by the Justice Department. One of these charges I read this morning could carry with it a, a, a possible eight-year term. Uh, Donald Trump may be uh, typing in all caps right now, but he understands the gravity of, of federal charges against him. He also understands he could spend a significant amount of time in jail if found guilty on all of these charges, which may actually make him a bit more flip moving forward uh, in these deliberations, because he could spend the rest of his life in jail if charged on all of these counts. To your point, Joe, you can go to jail, and you can go to jail for a very long time. So I don't want to get ahead of this. He's only been charged at this point, not even arraigned, certainly hasn't been tried, and hasn't been convicted or, or sentenced. But the reason this is so serious, and the reason this is so different, is that if you lose, in court as a defendant in a federal criminal case you can go to jail and so, so the media is so invested in once again taking down an opponent of a democrat while we in the entire world is watching a president that is totally incapable of doing the job weaken the united states you can say whatever you want about trump he's a douchebag but he doesn't make America weak and nobody fucks with us. Everybody's fucking with us because the president can't even form a sentence with the thesaurus, dictionary, and AI. He's brain dead. He's not running the country. Other people are. And it's horseshit. So as promised, we're going to go six to nine round bust. First thing's going to be about a... I watched a documentary on this about a seal and what he did for charity. Pretty cool. I cut it down. It's really long. Hey guys, wanna go to the airport? Let's go. I don't have a good motto. You guys got bags? Let's go. I don't know if I'm capable of changing the world. You guys like airplanes? Let's go. But I don't want to be defined by what I did 10 years ago. On a small stage or a national stage, you need to remember that you represent who you used to be as well, whether you want to or not. That's that. That's the Navy SEAL. That's Andy the SEAL. Will you shut the f up? <laughs> My name is Andy Stumpf. 
and I was in the Navy from August of 96 until June of 2013. I knew I wanted to be a SEAL since I was about 11 or 12. That's like the 80s. Good luck trying to find information about that occupation. First off, we're post-Vietnam, Mogadishu, where there were a couple SEALs that were there in a sniper capacity, Panama, Grenada, and that's it. Super limited information. I had no idea of what operationally the job would be like. It was it was like a concept. I could find books in the library, and like the most common book SEALs read is Men with Green Faces. I'm like, okay, that sounds badass. You're wearing Levi's with like a camo top and painted faces, and you're just bringing the heat to the enemy. That sounds amazing. I would like two of those. The movie Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen. Got nothing on Starlight. Switching to thermal. I have watched that a few hundred times before I joined. One day I came home and I was like, hey, mom and dad, I'm 17. We're gonna be joined today at this meeting with a naval recruiter and I need your signatures. <laughs> Immediately you will be a casualty and you're doing us no good. We have to put you in an old pine box because you didn't use your noodle. There's aspects of buds that sucked for sure. Like I've definitely never been that cold up until that point in my life. And I was hungrier and, you know, physically more exhausted. But every time you get to one of those thresholds, you realize that it's not your body holding you back. You realize that you have a choice. You're not gonna have the best performance of your life, but you don't have to stop. And if you push yourself to that limit and you realize you can keep moving it and moving it and moving it, it strips away this thought that like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And it, it replaces it with this thought of, well, I'm just gonna keep going and we'll see how it goes. That's probably the most impactful thing that has stuck with me my entire life. These men are members of one of the most unique military organizations in history. Behind these green faces are men who have accepted the challenge of some of the most daring assignments given to American fighting men. These are the Navy SEALs. Joined the Navy in August of 96. They break the classes down into summer classes and winter classes, and by that what they mean was what month was your hell weekend. Summer hell week classes have about a 75% attrition rate. Winter ones, it's like 80 to 90th percentile because it's and cold. So unfortunately, I went through in a winter class, which I had no control of. That's just when the math churned me out. I did two pre-9-11 deployments there, screened for a development group. Shortly after 9-11, moved out to the East Coast and went through selection in 2002, stayed there until about mid-2006, came back as a... I haven't done this in a while. I should have, but I haven't been doing a whole lot of military stuff and shame on me. Up front, C-17 is testing magnetic navigation system that works when GPS doesn't. That's some old school shit, but it's needed. This is the new soldier test, next generation family of media size army vehicles. We had the MLVT, LMVT. That was what it was. They were the funny cab looking ones. Now we're going back to a more shape for explosives, a little more defensive. And they're being tested, I believe, in Kuwait? No, it's a Fort Bliss. Fort Bliss is text testing them. The Marines got a dune buggy. That's pretty freaking sexy, man. I'd fucking drive that on the street. Well, let me see what it's called. It's their tactical dune buggy. Ultralight Tactical Vehicle, ULTV. Pretty fucking sexy. That drone just did a test fright. It's the first hypersonic drone with hydrogen-powered afterburners. 
lot of hydrogen coming out. That's pretty fun, cool. Then we get into the ugly shit. Navy SEAL training playing by pervasive problems investigation shows. A lot of articles came out. People have died. Um, one is Navy SEAL instructor hunted weaker candidates amid poor medical care and drug use. Well, you know, I went to a RIP or pre-ranger course like three fucking times. I had a DOR for torn arch the first time I went. No, the first time I went, I completed. I was a private. I was Alaska. I didn't pass because I didn't know shit. I was a machine gunner. Second time I DR, third time I passed, and then I never got a slot because that was back when you really didn't get in. It was mostly an officer thing or you had to be in a ranger regiment. The slots were so different. And then by the time I could have gone, I was already in E6, and I said, fuck it, I'm not going to get smoked, and I always wish I would have because it's a good school. I mean, it's definitely a test of metal for ranger. But every one of those... That's what the instructors do. They try to break the week. They're trying to get everybody to quit. They don't want non-hackers. So they go after people. If you, you're you're sla- slacking on a, wa- a run or what. I mean, because, you know, not to be braggardly. I mean, PT started at ODARC 400. And you started with like a small stretch section followed by 150 to 200 jumping jacks in sand six inch deep then lunges and thrust squats and everything that can destroy you that's for an hour then you go run and the runs are supposed to be at eight minute pace you do five mile runs Well, it's not an eight-minute pace. It's a six-minute pace, and then they run like a 10 or 12 the last mile to get it to come across at exactly 40 minutes. But if you're more than two arm lengths, you're a drop. You're done. You you can't fall back. So it's an oh-shitter, and that's just hell week. Then you do patrol week, and you don't sleep. You don't eat. You suck. And it's 17 days of suck. It's like seven and seven and the three days at the end to, to recover everything. But those first seven days, I was in, I was running 1154s for two miles. That's pretty fucking fast. It's sub six. Well, one of them is by six seconds, the last one. So, I mean, I was in really good shape. I weighed about 180 pounds of nothing but muscle. I was always in the gym, which I had at my house. I had an Olympic weight set. I lifted. I ran. I was in peak Tony. And I would lose 20 pounds in two weeks. You just melted it off. Most field problems in the 7th ID when I was there in Fort Ord in Korea and probably 97 to 2000 5 deuce um, average 10 pounds in a week you just lose it because you don't sleep you know you, you, the best you get is like 2 hours the best you eat is maybe an MRE during the day 
because there's just no time because the whole process is planning rehearsal execution patrol base plan rehearse execution pull, and you're just going over and you're not stopping and by the time you set up your patrol base it's like three o'clock in the fucking morning and then you got stand to at five so you get maybe an hour 45 minutes you learn how to take 30 minute naps it would fuck me up so bad that when i'd come home out of a normal field problem just normal not school environment I would sleep maybe four hours and wake up. And when it was long ones, like JRTC or NTC, I had a hard time sleeping in a bed. I'd sleep on the floor. I couldn't get... It was too comfortable. It bugged me. I'm going through that right now because on the new medicine, I can sleep back in bed. It doesn't fuck my stomach up. And I'm having a hard time with it because it's too comfortable. I'm so used to just a hard chair. You know, you just get that way. Um, But those schools were so important for prepping you for combat. So for when I went to combat, that mission, we didn't have food for like a week. You ate a piece of MRE every day. And I slept maybe... 90 minutes a night if that because it was hard to go to sleep at first because there's shit blowing up all around you there's a c-130 ac-130 specter blowing shit up like 200 meters behind you behind that ridge i mean 40 mike mike and arty shells and a gatling gun and you can see it as you're laying on your back and all your gear with the kevlar still on and you're going i don't know if i want to go to sleep and then eventually you just get so tired you just do but you were pulling shifts we would pull three hour shifts PL was up for three hours I was up for three hours PL was up for three hours but you didn't start the whole process till like 9 o'clock and by 4am you were awake so you might wind down get a little sleep like 90 minutes and then you get back up I remember the only time I slept I really slept or slept in that valley was when we went back like the 8th or 9th of March and we occupied the patrol base and it was the first and only time in my entire military career we were pulling a radio watch but we were really spread out so we weren't walking around and checking people out just because we were mixed with so many different units and nobody wanted to get shot so you could see the strong points inside the compound and we had a squad that was up on a hilltop where we took the first fire and killed a bunch of fuckers, um, maybe 200 meters from the compound. And he said he woke me up. I don't remember that. And I slept five hours, five hours. And then I was fucked up the next day. I was just all fucked up. I couldn't even operate because it was too much goddamn sleep. Um, So these schools are really important. And they do go after the weak. And they are very, very hard. They're made to be hard. Because combat ain't easy. For fuck's sake, we drank iodine water for seven goddamn days. There, There was no water. They couldn't get us water. They just couldn't do it. They were incapable of getting it up to the valley in a safe manner because they were too concerned about Black Hawk Down. 
They didn't want to lose anything. So, I mean, they can't drop a fucking pallet of water out the back end of a Chinook going 150 knots. It's just not going to make it. So I remember they did one. I remember watching it. It was a Blackhawk. Sling load. Cargo neck. Shit ton of water. They got shot at way down the valley by a Dishka. It didn't even come close. You could see the tracers, but it wasn't close. They cut that sling and bailed. The Northern Alliance got that water. We didn't get it. Because they were over there fucking off because they hadn't talked to Allah to get permission to go take over the valley. Anyway. A lot of other articles with woke Navy has a recruiting problem. I got disgusted. Matt in Oregon saw it. Really getting a lot of stupid articles out of military.com. This one comes from Stripes. Ranger Vet Group objects to removal of some Confederate link names from Fort Moore Memorials because they set up memorials for their guys and they're troubled by it. Now we're seeing not only is the Navy having problems, SEALs are having problems, Green Berets are having problems getting people to sign up. And it's because of the woke. It's just the woke is not good. I then came across, and I'm going to save this, and we're going to see a shitload of this over years to come, because I only just barely touched the surface of this. Um, This is from... Where the fuck did I get this from? Alex City, the Outlook. I've never heard of it, but um, they put together a great... Memorial Day picture slide and iconic photos. Now, of course, there's none from current. It was all older stuff. But, you know, here you got the guys going on D-Day. That is commemorating the dead post-World War I, which I thought was very poignant. That's World War II. I'd never seen that photo. This is a burial at sea from the USS Intrepid. Vietnam, like a scene out of a movie. The fall of Saigon. This one, of course, is super iconic. Everybody's seen it. And we relived it under Biden. And the media just let it go. Gulf War. Baghdad falling. That's a Marine 1st Infantry. That's a lot of helmets. Corngall. And then this article comes across. America faces a tidal wave of aging veterans. It is a lot. And at the same time, I come across... This poor bastard. And I thank God that my VA went as easy as it did because there's so many guys like this. (laughs) 
seven times, seven times over the course of the last fucking six years, dude, the VA has continued to let me down. Fuck. I just want some fucking continuity of care with mental health providers. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> These doctors keep quitting. They keep switching. And then the one doctor that I really liked, who talked me off a fucking ledge the last time, <laughs> refused. <laughs> I had a split because they fell out of network, and then they came back into network. So I went the last two years dealing with my own demons myself <laughs> and trying to hold it to fucking together. <laughs> And then come to find out, it's it's like May, May, it's like late May, and he denied he denied taking my case back, April fucking twelfth, and I'm just finding out, dude. And now I gotta go back to some new fucking doctor, and then I gotta open fucking Pandora's box again because they're gonna want to know everything, and then I'm gonna have to live through work and do that for a fucking month. I just wanna. I just want some fucking continuity of care, dude. I'm fucking so tired of it. I just want to be able to talk to the same fucking person and have the same individual manage my goddamn meds. I've been off my off all my medications for fucking two years. I've been doing it on my own, man. I'm just fucking white knuckled. I'm gripping. Jesus, fuck. I'm so tired of it. It's not a lot to ask. I just want to be able to talk to the same person and not continue to have to retell these fucking stories that torment me. <laughs> I, I fucking get it now. I really do. Fuck. I just want some continuity of fucking care. First time I watched that, I literally wept. Because um, I 100% associate with that guy's feelings. That's why I quit. When I finally kind of snapped in 2013, I went and it was just a joke. I mean, A, every place you go, all they do is say, well, uh, you know, it's, it's, in the, it's in the fucking waiting room. We don't give disability ratings. And I wasn't going there. I hadn't even fucking filed my VA claim. I hadn't even done shit. I just wanted help. But they didn't want to talk about things that I wanted to talk about. They wanted to talk about your dad, your mom, why you jerk off. It's just all Freudian bullshit, rapid eye movement crap. I mean, it was just garbage. And I remember I went one day and I finally, I'd seen this guy three times and I just started crying about just everything. I, I just couldn't really control my emotions and I didn't know what was going on I just knew I just didn't I was tired of carrying around guilt that I was alive and other guys weren't I was tired of not feeling comfortable in my skin I was just all fucked up and I look up and he's chuckling as I'm crying and I just got up and walked out he didn't even try to stop me and I just never went back. Just didn't go back. I quit.
I was like, fuck it. They just don't care. All they see everybody is somebody trying to get a grift. And my emotions to him was just like probably 10 other fuckers that went in there that really don't have a problem. So they turn on the water orcs because they want to get their free money. It's no different than when I went to go get a CPAP test. And I didn't want to get a CPAP test, but I was forced to get a CPAP test by my wife and a doctor. And they're in there and I get woken up because they're telling a the guy to stop faking it. He was an E4 because they'd found out that if you get sleep apnea, you get 50% disability instantly. Of course, when I filed mine, I got 0%. They said it wasn't service connected because I did it so many years after I got out. Which is fucking perfect. I mean, that's just, just how it works. But you go through the process of trying to get help, trying to get your disability. I mean, I know guys have gotten no disability. And they're fucked up. And I know guys that have nothing wrong with them and they got service connected war connected and they didn't even go to war a good friend of mine and he told me and i was so pissed i just didn't say anything we used to meet and go to dinner and i was like how the fuck can a guy that never went to war get a war connected disability he didn't fight it was broke I am just one of the lucky ones. I went to a guy, and at that time, my back was fucked. My, I was just walking horribly. I just didn't feel good. I was always, you know, I was coming off the road, so, I mean, it was just beating me up, having to drive all day and then go work and sleep in shitty beds. And, you know, I looked a wreck. It was I was not healthy looking. And... I went down to the VA and they told me, you know, these guys are going to hook you up and I get the guy that wants to be the head. And he put like two things on my file and says, I'll submit it. And he was too busy talking to somebody else on a phone about how he was going to get the head job and run the Montgomery County Veterans Assistance Office. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So this guy grabs my medical record and he starts going through it. The next thing you know is he just starts writing shit down. And he goes all the way back to me falling out of a helicopter and things that I didn't remember because I didn't even know how to fill out the form. So I didn't really put anything down. I didn't know what to do. Nobody ever walked me through it. I went through um, ACAP when they you learn how to do fancy interviews if you're going to IBM but not get a real job and I didn't learn shit about that and they put me zero they went through my records and said if you have any surgeries you had this this and this do you have any chronic injuries and they just said well you're zero percent connected means you can go see the VA I said okay and I walked out that was my ACAP I had no clue um so if it wasn't for that doctor in Nashville, I would have got nothing. Not a goddamn thing. And in my head at the time, I didn't want to get anything. I felt like it was a fucking grift. But it isn't. It's a, just like when I got my finger ripped off. It's what they owe you for the damage they've done to you. And it's not the same as retired disabled, but it's still a disability. You got fucked up by the service that you went to. Now, am I going for burn pits? No. 
I don't want to go get my shit reevaluated because my father just did that and he got he lost shit, and I'm not going to go because I doubt my allergies and any of that shit's connected. I mean, I was next to a burn pit for four months during my eight, the first three and a month later, but my allergies were already there and everything else is already fucked up because just that's just the other shit I got exposed to, but. 114,000 fucking people have committed suicide. Nobody gives a fuck. They talk about trans genocide that doesn't even exist. It's domestic abuse of 18 trannies dying a year. And you got guys like that who just want help. They mentally are having issues. Some guys got it affected more. I said on this show, I couldn't hear a morning dove. That shit fucked me up for about six months. Thought it was weird. Didn't know why because I thought I was going to walk away with everything. Okay. But the day of six hours of mortars, it just kind of fucked me up. I don't think it would have, but I... Me and the LT decided to get some sleep and I laid down for an hour and I woke up to a motor ran landing right next to me. And that'll get your attention. And I was dreaming. I was with Gigi. I was in the gazebo behind our house we used to have. We were watching TV and drinking beer together. I was really happy. I felt like I was home and then something blew the fuck up. And the only reason I didn't get hurt is because it went over the top of me and everybody else next to me because we were in a wadi. It was just an errant... 82 millimeter motor that could have ended me and for some reason they started bothering me up until that point RPGs shot at us I chuckled about because they didn't look like the movies nothing blew up no buildings disintegrated the bullets you don't really know how close they are you just know you hurt them you see them hitting the ground but you can shoot so I had a few things like that. But I carried around guilt because I got out during a really bad portion of the war on terror and it fucked my head up because then a bunch of my friends died. A bunch of guys I served with just died and it was like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm, I'm having a life. I'm being happy and I'm a pussy because I got out. I should have stayed in. Totally irrational. Because I was going to stay at Fort Irwin. If I accepted my E-8, I was staying there two more years. I never would have got to Iraq. It would have been two more years there. Then I would have gone. I would have done staff time. Maybe four years later, I'm a first sergeant. And there was no way I was staying in 24 years. I physically couldn't do it anymore. My knees were shot. My back was fucked. I slept on an air mattress in a fucking shitty trailer for two years. I mean, I was fucked up. And I knew it. And I wanted to go home. I just wanted to be with my wife. I wanted to be with my kids for they left. That was pulling on my heartstrings so hard. I just couldn't resist it. But it still fucks with you. But there should not 
in the year 2023 be videos of guys like that. That, that shouldn't be fucking happened. We've had motherfuckers commit suicide in the parking lot. It's been featured on TV shows. It's a real occurrence because they're getting batted around like a hacky sack. And nobody in Washington fucking cares. They're too busy with this. What are disinformation and extremism? Why should trip? This is fucking military times. Then you go to military.com. Researchers say military service is the single strongest predictor of violent extremism. Really? Really? We're back to the left's under Janet Reno. The biggest threats. Under Holder. The biggest threats. Now under Biden. It's not Antifa. It's not Jane's Revenge. None of those motherfuckers. It's vets. Unhinged vets. Fuck you all. Fuck every one of you. Fuck you to death. Every goddamn one of you. The motherfucker who prints this I wrote him an email, told him to go fuck himself. I sent one to military.com. Go fuck yourself for even printing it. Because that's horse shit. Horse shit. To lighter notice. Commissary Yongsan slowly getting phased out. That's weird, man. I used to take a long bus to go get real meat and barbecue in 1990. Two hours on a bus to get a steak because there was no commissary where I was. House GOP claimed Pride Month flags and VA facilities are discrimination. Political posturing. They're 100% true. And last but not least, this is the kind of shit that fucking pisses me off. Because once again, we have a Democratic administration who decided that we're gonna once again just lob shit just lob shit around at other countries without reporting to Congress or talking to anybody um That's horseshit. And then a the last positive, then we're gonna do a lighter fare. It's gonna be political because I, I had a Corey Taylor thing from Slipknot, but I'm not gonna do it. Um military bases effective immediately can no longer hold drag Parties or whatever the fuck you want to call them. It has officially been outlawed by DOD because they realize it is a bridge too fucking far. 
just a bridge too far. And uh, that's 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 some good ass shit. So, we're going to go to our lighter fare. A lighter fare today is going to be the people on The View arguing amongst themselves. Because it really happens, but it's goddamn entertaining and funny. Let's talk about Pence first, okay? Because Pence said um, that his message is different times call for different leadership. Unfortunately for him, his type of leadership ended with uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Okay, there is no place for Pence in the party right now. He would have been good about 60 years ago. Also, who is, he, is going to vote for him? You tell me. The MAGAs are not going to vote for him. The evangelicals are all in for Trump. So who's left to vote for him? Well, I'll have more on Pence tomorrow because he's doing a big town hall tonight, and I want to hear more from him, but What honestly. do you think? I, I kind of need to hear more of where he's angling. Like, based on that ad, is so kind of generic. I but think you he's worked angling. for him. You know him. But here, this, I want to say this. There's a significance to Pence getting in the race solely from the fact that I believe it's the first time in history a vice president is running against the president they served after. And it just underscores how truly unfit for office Donald Trump is. Wait, didn't... Didn't... No, I, no, I, I don't think... Oh, I might have that wrong. We'll get yeah, in my ear for it. But I, yeah, I wanted to talk yeah. about what I actually think is more interesting. I think the Chris Christie factor is huge in this race. Okay, so he's on a one-man wrecking ball mission to take out Donald Trump. This man stands zero chance of getting the Republican nomination. His unfavorables are historically high. He is literally doing what my party should have done back in 2016 and said, I am going to say everything we know about him. I'm going to challenge him on the things a lot of candidates are afraid to say. And it might break through because him being in the race makes it a lot harder for candidates like a Tim Scott or a Nikki Haley to avoid talking about Trump's unfitness. They don't want to say the word Trump, but they're going to get asked about it because Chris Christie's going to be shouting it from the rooftops. But so I'm he here for it. the mega base? He's not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's not yeah. running to win. He's on a kamikaze mission to, to take he's out he's Donald Trump. Wait, 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 I'm curious. What does he get out of that? He's trying to save the They're, party for the future. So oh, yeah, the this goal. is a strictly altruistic mood. Yeah, I completely yeah. think from so. Chris I think he's Christie, paving the way for a GOP. He's paving the way to save the party he and I have believed well, in. Well, it's what I, you said, though, about Governor Sununu. You said that what I'm seeing is governors coming together and possibly doing what we said for years. We sat here and said, where are the where are the people saying you're you're hijacking our party and making it a nationalist, Chris Christie, populist party that's, that's not even not conservative? That's not Chris Christie. He's... All right, to a quick little hit on the media. We're going to start with PBS. And once again, I don't understand why we finance these cocksuckers. They are our super bias of the day with two sound bites. Uh, one, Jeffries waxed a stream GOP five times compared to Pelosi to Michael Jordan. And the other one, defund PBS reporter lobs questions to Biden about anti-LGBTQ intimidation. But they also ran this one. Courts have long seen canine dogs as impartial. Now police body cans hold them accountable because now the dogs are racist. I mean, we know black dogs are persecuted because of racism. That's been established long ago on this show. They also are doing the redlining and saying that air pollution disparities in the U.S. by cities, and we are talking a millionth of a particle more in an area and they're calling that climate racism like a few extra particles compared to the rest of the city that's how stupid they're doing because once again it's all cooked 
statistics. It's not based on any type of reality. So, going to play these two sound bites. So we hit PBS. And then I'm just going to play them all together. Fuck it. Let's just do it because I got some, uh, I'll put a separator. CBS brings on leftist Corman Candy to screech racism and a Voice of America reporter. All four of these sound bites just clearly show that the media is leading the Democrats around because the Democrats just aren't woke enough for the media. the country, Mr. President, Republican-led states are passing laws, uh, passing anti-LGBTQ, anti-transgender laws that restrict rights and medical care. Intimidation is on the rise. This week, anti-LGBTQ protesters turned violent in California. And also recently, I spoke to the parents of a transgender girl in Texas who told me that they're afraid and that they're considering leaving not just their state, but the country. Sir, why do you think this is happening? And what do you say to parents like the ones that I spoke to, to those families who are contemplating leaving the country because they don't feel safe anymore? Wait, 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 wait. Bribery allegation. Congresswoman Nancy May says there's damning evidence that the FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to the congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, Mr. President, I'm a bunch of malarkey. Mr. President, what do you say to Americans to convince them that they should trust the independence and fairness of the Justice Department when your predecessor, Donald Trump, repeatedly attacks it? Because you notice, I have never once, not one single time, suggested to the Justice Department what they should do or not do relative to bringing a charge and not bringing a charge. The deal was brokered by the White House and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who presides over a narrow House majority, including a significant vocal group of hardline conservatives. It was incredibly important that we avoid this dangerous default, even though there were many extreme mega Republicans who were determined to bring that about. There was a willingness by some extreme right-wing folks on the other side of the aisle to actually default on our debt, crash the economy, and trigger. She will join us for her first TV interview since her inaugural poem was restricted by a Florida school following a parent's complaint. Now, this is part of a growing trend in parts of the country of limiting access to books that deal with racism and other issues. Now, you may remember she captivated the country, and captivated is a word here back in 2021, when she became the youngest poet at a presidential inauguration in U.S. history. We remember this day. Mm-hmm. Still gives me goosebumps. Her poem, The Hill We Climb, was later published as a book. And recently, a Florida elementary school restricted a- access to the book after one parent complained and filed a complaint. Access to three other books was also restricted, including one that's no longer in print. Well, last night, Amanda Gorman donated 1,200 books for a banned book giveaway event hosted by a Florida bookstore, including her own and the two other restricted titles that are still in print. So let's talk about this case in Florida and let's put it in context. It was one parent in one school who, who, filed, who, who, who brought this up. And it's our understanding that it was reported, Amanda, she didn't even read the book. She reported that Oprah Winfrey had written the book. We also know that that isn't true. My initial reaction was a mix of shock and sadness. It was so important for me that young people would see themselves. The majority of 
books that have been banned fall into two camps. Either they have characters of color or talk about race in some way, or they have characters that are of the LGBTQ community or touch upon those themes in some way. And I have to think about what messaging that sends to young readers. It's as if moving on to the Pride event tomorrow, this is likely to provoke some political or politicized pushback, especially from um, you know, some of the states that have passed legislation targeting sexual minorities or from countries that have done the same. So could I just hear from you, why does the White House feel that this event is important, especially in this context? So we've had multiple events celebrating the LGBTQ plus community, multiple. Uh, and uh, this is a president that has been a strong ally, uh, a vice president that has been a strong ally, a second gentleman, a first lady that has been a strong ally of the, of the community. And it is important, he feels it is important, they feel it's important to lift up a community, uh, to uh, lift up their accomplishments and what they've been able to do uh, for the community. And so we think it's an important moment. And let's not forget what we're seeing across the country from state houses, more than 600 pieces of legislation, anti-LGBTQ plus legislation. Which brings us to our gay shit. Yes, gay shit, because everything's gay now. This was brought to you by Oil London. Dylan Mulvaney has appeared to cover of the woke magazine, Them. Is he ready for life after girlhood? These are the pictures. I'm being 100% honest. Dude. 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 That's how a dude sits. Not a not a girl. Girls don't sit like that. Did he not learn anything during his 490 days of girl or whatever the fuck? The article, Dylan Mulvaney is ready for life after girlhood. After years spent sharing her tr transition with the world, the TikTok sensation talks to them about what's next. And as usual with ours, we go to the bottom of the article. And here we go. Well, Mulvaney spent the last year beautifully, if painstakingly, documenting her womanhood. Perhaps the next we'll see our focus more on simply being one. In fairness, it sounds like she's already well on her way. I don't regret any of the things that I posted, but I want to make sure that my transition is for me now, she explains. It's kind of like redefining a relationship. When it gets too personal or too hands-on, it can be hard to scale back. I'm hoping that the people that do love me will be ready when I start doing things that aren't just me trauma unloading onto a camera. Trauma unloading. There was no trauma. You were grifting. Trauma unloading is perhaps a bit of an unfair self-talk. The majority of Mulvaney's content presents transition with clarity, optimism, and pre-ternational pre, pre sweetness. I don't even know what that word is. That's why so many people love her. In an online culture obsessed with irony, her feelings are big and warm, and she's not afraid to get gooey. She's not a she. Now, he, also not afraid to take a step back, about a week after posting the Bud Light video, Mulvaney went dark, disappearing from all platforms for 20 days. In that time, the creator reflected on the toll of overexposure and emerged with a new intention for his next chapter. I really do like being me, but you can get to a point where if you read enough things about yourself, you could be like, screw Dylan Mulvaney. Who is this 
bastard. You're not a bitch. He says with a laugh. So right now I'm thinking about longevity. How do I hopefully have a career that goes on for the next 40 years? And how do I be happy outside of a social media? Because that's what I think I'm restraining my brain to figure out. All the other aspects of my life had to be just as important as that one. And with that, Mulvaney is off onto whatever's up next for him. As our server clears the table, I notice a silver of green poking out from the stack of plates and napkins. Though Mulvaney may still recoil at the sight of microgreens, it seems he's learning to eat his vegetables in another way. You know, this would not be a problem if he wasn't doing calling for more. Yeah, Target's down 14 billion also now. 14 billion dollars. No, 15, I'm sorry, it's 15. As of this morning, it's 15. So as we go into our gay shit, we're going to play the President of the United States scaling up his rhetoric from our kids, our kids, we need to just do all the trans shit, Tran, 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 tran. Hey, 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 bow, 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 little pump and cut. Hey, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit. Rebecca put a teacher's creed into words when she said, there's no such thing as someone else's child. No such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. Rebecca put a teacher's creed into words when she said, there's no such thing as someone else's child. No such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. Laura Barone Lopez with the PBS NewsHour. All over the country, Mr. President, Republican-led states are passing laws, uh, passing anti-LGBTQ, anti-transgender laws that restrict rights and medical care. Intimidation is on the rise. This week, anti-LGBTQ protesters turned violent in California. 100% with the reels. Why? is the president of the United States pushing child trans. Why? It's 0.5%. Breaking, President Biden will be appointing an anti-book ban coordinator as part of his new strategy to protect the LGBTQ community. The White House will hold the largest ever Pride event in history on the South Wall this evening. The anti-book ban coordinator who has... Uh, let's get to the tweet because it's cropped here. Um, who has not yet been named will advise school districts on the legality of banning books. This comes after over 870 different books have been banned from school libraries curriculum this year, which is 30% higher than last year. Greater than 25% of the books banned in the school have had LGBTQ themes. More than 70 bills that the Human Rights Campaign, a gay group, which is totally biased, considers anti-LGBT were passed during this legislative session, which is twice as many as last year. Do you support these measures by the president? Do you think anti-wokeness has gone too far? And people literally put pictures like this up. And these are 
norms. That's what's in it. Other people. Put this up. I sometimes literally do not understand how you motherfuckers think this shit up and you think it's okay. You think this is just normal shit. That it's all a left, right dichotomy when it's clearly not a left and right dichotomy. Um, I'm trying to find what I just found. Shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll find it before I put it up. This is uh, th- th- this is my answer to this book banning bullshit. John Amanchuku, followed by Leah Carson. Lindsay Mahaffey, you opened this session earlier on celebrating Pride Month. And so I brought a book that I read from about a month ago called Jack of Hearts and Other Parts to read, I guess, part two of a message entitled, Who Are the Perverts? The book says this. It says, eventually he finishes and pulls out. And the condom, of course, is covered in S-H-I-T. And he gets mad at me like it's my fault. I don't know about how to clean up down there. He makes me take the crap-covered condom off and flush it. And then he showers alone. When he gets out of the shower, he frowns at me and goes, you're still here? Anyway, here's my advice to you. Make sure you want to do it, because it's going to be uncomfortable at first, for sure. But it can be fun, too, even if you don't have a prostate. There are nerve endings and pressure. Just make sure you've taken an SHIT beforehand and cleaned after, preferably with soap and water in the shower, because if you got to go while he's inside of you, it's going to come out gross. When you're ready to get F-U-C-K-E-D, use lots of lube. A finger first. Go slow. Make sure he's still focused on keeping you turned on, too. It helps if you start out riding him face forward. Then you have more control over how deep he goes and you can still communicate what you need. Once he's in, you tell him to just stay there for a while so you can get used to it. Then when you give the okay, he can slowly start effing you. If you don't like it, tell him to stop. If you decide to switch holes, use a fresh condom. And be prepared sometimes SHIT just happens. But if you take it slow, it can be really great. Is that what you celebrate, Lindsay? Happy Pride Month to what? Feces on condoms? Stimulating prostates, whether you have one or not? Is that what you condone? Is that what you celebrate when you acknowledged Pride Month? Be it known today that Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You can't laugh at him. 
whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And the operative word is that. You sow this filth to children, Lindsay, and you're going to reap it. If you celebrate Pride Month and push this filth on kids, you're going to reap it. It's going to be more terrible for you because you are of age. You're adults. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. Tyler, you're going to reap it if you say nothing and only speak about the black issues. You're going to reap it, brother. Monica, you're going to reap it if you say nothing about it. And you know in the black culture, we don't even condone this stuff. We fight against Our it. Our next speaker stand for is truth Leah and stand Carson, for what is right. followed by Renee Seckle. Thank you for the opportunity to speak today. I am a lifelong North Carolinian. I've been in Wake County for most of my life and received my middle and high school education right here in Wake County Public Schools. I'm here today to express my concern about the priority of academic advancement and our need to invest more resources in the right places and less in the wrong places. This particular book is called Queer, the Ultimate LGBTQ Guide for Teens, and is in high schools throughout Wake County. I'll read some of it for you. Just as there are many different types of relationships, there are a gazillion ways to have sex. Not all gay men have anal sex, nor do all lesbians like oral sex. Not all trans guys wear dildos. It's a rainbow, darling. You'll need to figure out for yourself what you like at some point. Have patience with yourself and get plenty of practice to enjoy sex. Don't worry, very few people will turn down the opportunity for more practice. It talks about touching and rubbing. Genital stimulation can come from any part of the body. You can use your hand or hips or feet, or you can rub your private parts on someone's thigh, arm, genitals, butt, and ankles. You may stroke his penis, insert, finger, insert fingers into his anus, or insert fingers into her vagina. It goes on to talk about anal sex. This can involve penetration with the penis fingers or a sex toy. For care of the sex toy, it talks about the anus has lots of bacteria. When spread elsewhere, it can cause problems. If you're going to use a sex toy for anal penetration, be sure to use one that is silicone as long as it doesn't have electrical components. Just boil it for five minutes and run it through the dishwasher. Penetrating the anus with a foreign object like food can be dangerous. Can be dangerous. So don't think about it, even if it seems like a good idea at the time. Exploration is a big part of sex. You might find that you're into some weird stuff. Although if you only knew how many people were into weird stuff, you'd realize it's not so weird. Some people like to role play, dress up like animals, tie each other up, wear leather and high heels. Hey, whatever makes your toes tingle. There's no reason to be judgmental about consensual sex. It also goes on to talk about monogamy. That some people like to be with one partner, some like to have others. Either option is okay. I think it's easy to see that this book is of concern. This book is not informational, it's instructional. It's an all-out endorsement and encouragement and playbook on how to discover the rainbow. In other words, to be promiscuous. This book sends the readers, which in our context are teenagers, on a journey to be promiscuous and to explore all kinds of sex. And let's face it, we're talking about teens. If they're exploring their sexuality in such a uh, intense way, they're not studying. They're not preparing for their futures. Let me ask you a familiar question. Is this for a grade? Will this be on the SAT or the PSAT or college entrance exams? Let's go back to being a school. Our next Thank you. 
Once again, I don't think those people are white supremacists unless they're in blackface. And then there's the protests. They're everywhere. Reclaim our kids. This is this is your fucking fault. You all went overboard. You wanted to win an election, so you used COVID. You closed the schools. Parents saw shit. Now everything's out of control. Your little plan fell a fuck apart to turn everybody into an activist and gayify all our kids through TikTok and school curriculum. But it just doesn't stop. Here's the media America's moving backwards now because we're not letting the kids trans and the Rockefeller Center NBC removing all the UN flags and putting up gay flags Leanne, it does feel, though, disheartening. Yeah. I don't know if it feels this way to you, that uh, it, it feels as if we're moving backwards yeah. it, mm-hmm. uh, often in this country when it comes to issues surrounding yeah. LGBTQ. Do you feel the same way? I mean, I worked on... Budweiser. You just look at yeah. The, yeah. the backlash. The things yeah. that you thought were already sort of said and done yeah. are coming back to the forefront. Well, you know, as a younger younger gay, as a younger lesbian, I worked on marriage equality, right? And it was really powerful when, when tech and business showed up for the community. And, you know, frankly, I want to see corporate America stand up more for trans leaders, right? I want to ask you about another issue related to this, and that is uh, about what's going on in uh, some legislatures. Some Republican-controlled states have banned transgender children from receiving gender-affirming care, even with the consent of their parents. You talk a lot about parents' rights. You do it on the campaign trail or even before. You just did it now. So why do you believe it's the government's role to overrule what parents decide is best for their own children in this case? Well, I strongly support state legislation, including as we did in Indiana, that that bans all gender transition chemical or surgical procedures for kids under the age of 18. But what if their parents support that? I hear you. I hear you, but on this one, I, I, I got to tell you, Dana, and I'm, I'm talking as a father and I'm talking as a grandfather right now. Look, I, there's a reason why you don't let kids get a tattoo before they're 18, right? Because those of us that have been parents know that before they're 18, I don't want to say anything. My kids are watching, but, you know, they think you're an idiot and for everything, but right? But I don't think government regulates there. tattoos. You got, look, look, I, I'm just telling you. Um, when you're talking about something that is absolutely transformational and that we know from mental health experts it more often than not has profound negative deleterious effects on people in the long term I think at minimum it is proper for state governments and state officials to simply say whatever however adults want to live they can live but for children we're going to protect kids from the radical gender ideology and say no. See, they're just on the wrong side of history. Trying to get that article because it's funny. It's lady complaining about Um, the fact that you can't find any normal guys. 
NIH England has confirmed puberty blockers for young people with gender incongruence will only be administered in part of a clinical research it offers an NHSE publishes the service specifically specifications that will guide the new gender service that will replace the Tavox kids. NHSE says it will propose outside of a research setting puberty suppression hormones should not be routinely com- commissioned for children and adolescents who have gender in- incongruence or dysphoria. The interim service spec is versus similar of the draft published in 2022. The doc acknowledged that there would be a range of pathways suitable for young people and a range of outcomes. It repeats assertion from the draft that the clinical approach should be mindful that this experience of gender incongruence dysphoria may be transparent. And then it goes on to break down what Tony has said on the fucking show over and over and over and over that 80% of these cocksuckers go back. They go back. But they don't want to hear it. Elliot Page. I got shingles because there's too many men around me. The Air Force did their Pride Month. Well, the CIA, because once again, this is being dictated by the Biden administration, said, hold my fucking beer we're gonna out gay ya it's a fucking CIA CIA 2020 theme for pride month welcome wellness equity LGBTQ community openness me pride month is an occasion for all of us at the agency to pay tribute to the rich history community and mission contributions of our LGBTQ officers how many fucking months do these people really need how many I mean you heard Dana Bash bash <clears throat> bash fucking pants for saying what the NHSE is saying. It's wrong. It's just wrong. So Tucker came out with some stuff. I'm not going to play the whole thing because um, we got lots of sound bites today. But I wanted to play a little bit. It's about pedophilia. And, you know, that's what this is all turning into. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. Let's say you wanted to control a country. How would you start? Well, you'd want to make sure you had the complete obedience of everybody inside your borders who was authorized to use deadly force. You would start with the military and then federal law enforcement and move your way down ultimately to agencies like the IRS. Controlling the guns would be a top priority for you if you ever wanted to go dictatorial, if you wanted to be baby doc. But let's say you had deeper ambitions. Let's say you wanted the power not simply to control people's behavior, but to control how they think, not just their bodies, but their minds, as a god would. In that case, you'd need to take charge of the society's taboos. A taboo is something that by popular consensus is not allowed. A taboo may not be illegal, but it doesn't need to be. Over time, social prohibitions are more powerful and more enduring than laws. Societies are defined by what they will not permit, as are famously religions. Muslims don't eat pork, neither do Orthodox Jews. Traditional Christians oppose extramarital sex. The Amish avoid electricity, and so on. American society isn't overtly religious, but it's governed by taboos, and it always has been. What's interesting is how fast our taboos are changing. This is not happening organically. 
What we're allowed to dislike is being dictated to us from above, sometimes by force. Until fairly recently, for example, it was taboo in this country to attack people on the basis of their race. That was the main lesson of the Second World War, we were told again and again. The one thing we learned from the Nazis is that it's dangerous to reduce human beings to their genetic code. There is no master race. That made sense, but apparently we no longer believe it. Punishing people based on their skin color is not only permitted in modern America, it is mandatory throughout business and government and higher education, as long as the victims are white. At one time, that would have been unimaginable. So with the current behavior of our politicians, as recently as the 1992 presidential campaign, adultery was considered disqualifying for anyone seeking higher office. Bill Clinton was very nearly derailed in the New Hampshire primary by his affair with Jennifer Flowers. Clinton went to elaborate lengths to lie about the relationship because he had no choice. But he was the last presidential candidate who had to meet this standard. By 2008, it was obvious to anybody who was paying attention that Barack Obama had a strange and highly creepy personal life. Yet nobody ever asked him about it. By that point, a leader's behavior within his own marriage, the core relationship of his life, had been declared irrelevant. It was Barack Obama's business, not yours. One by one, with increasing speed, our old taboos have been struck down. Those that remain have lost their moral force. Stealing, flaunting your wealth, striking women, smoking marijuana on the street, shameless public hypocrisy, taking other people's money for not working. All of these things used to be considered unacceptable in America, not anymore. So it probably shouldn't surprise us that the greatest taboo of all is teetering on the edge of acceptability, child molestation. A generation ago, talking to someone else's children about sex was widely considered grounds for a thrashing. Touching them sexually was effectively a death penalty offense. When Jeffrey Dahmer was bludgeoned to death in the bathroom of a Wisconsin prison in 1994, the Milwaukee district attorney had to caution the public not to turn Dahmer's killer into a folk hero. Jeffrey Dahmer had molested and murdered children. People felt justified in celebrating his death. 25 years later, that standard had changed dramatically in the state of Wisconsin, as in the rest of the country. In the summer of 2020, during the BLM riots in Kenosha, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse defended his life from a convicted child molester called Joseph Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum was trying to kill Rittenhouse, so Rittenhouse shot him in self-defense. But it was Joseph Rosenbaum whom the media cast as the victim of the story. Kyle Rittenhouse, meanwhile, an underage boy fending off violence from a child molester, was denounced as the villain. Ultimately, he was indicted for murder. One of the things that this tells us is the people who run our country no longer see child molesters as the worst among us. It's never been more obvious than it was yesterday when the Wall Street Journal ran a long expose about kiddie porn on Instagram. Instagram, the journal found, quote, helps connect and promote a vast network of accounts openly devoted to the commission and purchase of underage sex content. Instagram connects pedophiles and connects them to content sellers of child pornography. In one instance, the paper discovered that Instagram was recommending the phrase incest toddlers to users who'd expressed interest in similar material. By the way, no one at Instagram denied that any of this had happened, nor did Mark Zuckerberg, who controls the company. The journal story was accurate. It was all pretty shocking, but not as shocking as what happened next, which was effectively nothing at all. The largest circulation newspaper in the United States 
revealed that one of the world's most influential companies was promoting pedophilia and nobody in power did anything about it. The Justice Department did not announce an investigation. Congress did not schedule hearings. The guy who runs Instagram, Adam Mosseri, still has his job. In fact, Mosseri's last tweet, which is pinned, is a video of himself bragging about how effective Instagram's algorithm is. Keep in mind as you watch this, it's real. People often talk about the algorithm, but there is no one algorithm for Instagram. There are many algorithms and ranking processes we use to try to personalize the experience to make it as interesting as we can for each and every person who uses Instagram. We believe in this idea of personalization. What you're interested in and what I'm interested in is different, and so therefore your Instagram and my Instagram should be different. <laughs> what you're interested in and what I'm interested in is different, Masseri explains patiently, so your Instagram feed will be different from mine. You're interested in children, that's why you're getting all the incest toddler posts. It's a highly personalized experience. That tweet is still up tonight. Of course, everybody at Instagram, in fact, everyone everywhere in authority, will still claim to think that child molestation is bad, but the tone has changed unmistakably. When they say it's bad, they mean it in a kind of abstract way. Bad like a civil war in Central Africa is bad. You wouldn't prefer it, but there are reasons it happens. That's why we now refer to pedophiles as minor attracted persons, because honestly, who can judge? These people are a sexual minority, so pause before you attack them. And in any case, it's not like pedophiles are barging into the Capitol building to sit in Nancy Pelosi's chair or asking uncomfortable questions about the last election. For miscreants like that, no punishment is too harsh. So far this month, the FBI's Washington field office has issued 11 press releases. 10 out of 11 have been about January 6th. Keep in mind that January 6th happened more than two and a half years ago. Now you know why the feds were ignoring kid touchers on Instagram. They're too busy to respond. They've got much more important things to do, like finding white supremacists. White supremacists are America's new child molesters. We've got zero tolerance for white supremacists because no one threatens the life of this country more than they do. Here's Joe Biden once again making that very clear last month. To stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I say it wherever I go. Pardon the feedback, but you heard the point. White supremacy is the most dangerous threat to the American homeland. Joe Biden just told us that. It's more dangerous than the threat of nuclear war with Russia. It's more dangerous than the threat of the Mexican drug cartels, who've already killed hundreds of thousands of Americans and are now in control of swaths of our southwestern states. White supremacy is that bad, Joe Biden says. In fact, it's worse. But what is it? That's the question. Can anyone in authority actually define white supremacy? What is it? Is white supremacy liking white people too much? If so, that's gonna put those of us with white children in a pretty tough spot. Or is white supremacy something much more obviously bad, like trying to expel all non-whites from America and creating some kind of ethno-state? If that's Joe Biden's definition, what exactly is the scope of this threat? How many people are currently working on this American white ethnostate project? And what are the chances they're going to pull it off? Our guess is not very many and precisely zero. But we can't say for sure because no one has showed us the numbers. These are not rhetorical questions. 
When the President of the United States describes something as the worst possible crime Americans can commit, you have a right to know what that crime is. You used to have that right. Under our pre-revolutionary legal code before George Floyd, questions like these were easy to answer. A crime was defined as something that an elected legislature had explicitly banned, usually an act that hurt somebody else. In America, crimes were described precisely with words in English and then preserved in books, which you could read yourself. If you ever wondered whether you were committing a crime, you could just look it up. You could know for sure whether you were a criminal. Now you can't. And needless to say, that's the point. The point of the exercise is to keep you off balance, to keep you afraid. When no one's willing to define the offense, you can't be sure whether or not you're committing it. You could be accused at any time and everything you have taken from you. You live in fear. Remember this guy? Emmanuel Cafferty was driving near a Black Lives Matter protest in Poway in his SDG&E truck when he says he noticed somebody following him and trying to get his attention. Later, that person posted a picture of him making what some believed is a white supremacy symbol. On Twitter, Cafferty says he had no idea about any white power symbols and was just cracking his knuckles outside his window when the picture was taken of him. Later that day, he says he was notified by SDG&E that he would be suspended pending an investigation, and a few days later, he was fired. What that man did was so offensive, as you just saw, that local news had to blur the photograph of his hand. He was fired from his job. His life was destroyed for cracking his knuckles. He didn't know cracking his knuckles was racist in his defense, but then nobody did until the day that poor Emmanuel Cafferty was unwise enough to crack them. When a crime has no definition, anyone can be guilty of it. It's hard to relax in a country like that. The old system was better. Government operated on the basis of laws, not amorphous moral terror. Politicians couldn't accuse you of something they couldn't define. The legal code was straightforward. Child molestation was a crime. Having unfashionable opinions was not. Outside of the public sphere, the population mostly governed itself, as it does in every society, and used taboos to do it. You knew what was allowed and what wasn't because the rules didn't change very often. The taboos were organic. They derived from collective experience and instinct the two most reliable guides to life. They evolved for a reason. They still do. Our job at this point is to protect them, despite the hectoring, the nonstop hectoring from the people in charge. You know the outlines of right and wrong. You're born knowing them. So don't let them talk you out of what you can smell. Don't let them rationalize away your intuitive moral sense. Cling to your taboos like your life depends on them, because it does. Cherish and protect them like family heirlooms. That's exactly what they are. Younger people say the news is full of lies. Son Kennedy's motorcade. 239 people. All right, I played the whole thing. It was fucking good. So there's Tucker. He's straight on Twitter now if you, you want to see him. So what do we do? Well, we do what we always do because this is how the left handles stuff. When they run into the fact that the majority of people don't believe in your bullshit and then they call those people fucking racist and then black people step forward and gay people step forward and Asian people and fucking Muslims and everybody steps forward and goes, no, no, it's not a white supremacy thing. It's you, dumbass. It's just fucking you. 
Well, they just say, okay, we're just going to name all these fucking people extremists. We have marked that there are actually 12 anti-student inclusion groups in the country that are pushing to ban certain books, ban curricula, punish teachers who talk about inclusive education, and generally make our school boards miserable in seeking to provide an inclusive education for all. These groups include Moms for Liberty, which is the largest group in the country, and we've added those 12 groups to our anti-government groups in our hate list this year. I want to read from the report about schools and and kids. Um, This is in the report. Reactionary anti-student inclusion groups such as Moms for Liberty, Moms for America, Parents Defending Education that the Southern Poverty Law Center lists as extremist groups are by their very nature responding to social progress that they dislike and have no control over. Like many other hard right groups, these reactionary anti-student inclusion groups are constantly painting themselves as an oppressed class while vilifying those discriminated against. Because the overall takeaway is that hate is becoming more entrenched. Um, they have gone local. Hate has gone local, and the more local it goes, uh, the more mainstream it becomes. Now, one of the strategies we see is what you mentioned, which is an increased targeting of the gay community. It's part of the so-called culture war that they want us to believe is happening, that, that our Religious freedoms are being targeted. Our children are being targeted. And it's about as anti-freedom as you can be in reality, but that's, that's not what they want. They, I heart- it's what they do for everything. It's all they fucking have. It's the steps they incrementally put every time to bully everybody. Just like the soundbite for the lesbian. As a young lesbian, I worked for marriage equality. Now I want to see corporate America step up for trans. And if they don't, we're going to bully them. Well, unfortunately, because of your foray into closing down schools, parents are now way more energized, and you can bully them, and they'll take a $15 billion hit. That's just the way it's going to happen, because it's not whitey. It's not extremism. It's not red voters. It's Americans. We're done. We're just done with it. They're kids. When they're adults, you can brainwash them in college. You can chop all their junk off when they're 18. That's your big thing. Go chop. I guess you guys get a bag of dicks, and it's a big deal for you. But they're kids, so stop. This is America. We're going to go into the first one. You know, I was going to play two. I'm going to take one off. One is rule once again saying it's not fair to uh, blame the president for inflammation, (laughs) inflation, but you've already done it. And uh, two pet peeves, all right? One is this. Every fucking climate group is now using... This is climate defiance. We choked on our own air today. We wiped soot off our countertops. We rushed our children to ERs and canceled picnics and called up morgues to cart off our dead. Welcome to the future. None of that actually happened, but, you know, 
they have been lying since they said global cooling. So you have Biden talking once again about climate change. It's either trans, climate, everybody who doesn't vote for him is a racist. That's pretty much all he's got. He's got nothing else in his kit bag because he hasn't accomplished anything because everything he's doing is super, super extreme, weird, nobody wants it, not something you're going to run on. And then there's the NASCAR, always got to be woke because they want the woke listeners and viewers. And for some reason, they wanted a Chicago road race. That's happening on July 4th when they had one in Wisconsin that would get, you know, the most people they get other than the Indy or the uh, Daytona 500 would show up to this road race on a course. No, we're going to Chicago. And everybody was like, I don't know if I want to go there and get raped, shot, and stabbed, and then raped, shot, and carjacked, and stabbed, and stand in random roads while people get jacked. Well, before they even get close to it, because it's July 4th, weeks away, motherfuckers already broke into the little camp and stole shit, and it's just fucking kiss. This is America. It's the only existential threat that exists for humanity. All of the data shows that we don't stay between 1.5 degrees Celsius by the year 20. Anyway, we're, we're going to be in trouble. A major theft at the site of the NASCAR Chicago street race setup. Tia Ewing is live with details on what happened here. Tia. Well, you know, there's been a whole lot of excitement surrounding NASCAR. It's supposed to start up in 24 days here in the city of Chicago, and already there's trouble along the track. Let's show you video. It'll really tell the story of exactly what's going on here. You see this yellow crime scene tape? We are at Columbus and Balboa. This is where Chicago police are confirming that at around 7 this morning, it was discovered that someone broke into the lot that's here and took two motorized carts from within the area. Now, now, this is typically a busy area unless it's really early in the morning. That is what we've seen. We know a lot of car traffic travels along Columbus Drive. That is for sure. As far as that equipment goes, it is being kept to build out the viewing area over the street to watch the race. Crews have been working on building the grandstands for the NASCAR street race this summer. That work started last Friday. At night, I can attest, at least for myself, that I've seen security monitoring this site. So it's unknown exactly how this happened. Chicago police tell us area detectives are investigating. Now, we did reach out to NASCAR for a statement on exactly how all of this happened. As of right now, we have not heard back. But again, you see the site right here behind me. A lot of uh, hard equipment that they use to build out these grandstands. And what we're hearing again, two motorized carts were stolen as soon to Biden, that's the existential existential threat other than ultra uber mega parents and people trying to stop trans from becoming trans. Yeah, okay. You got a lot of existential threats. It's really it's confusing which one we're supposed to take fucking seriously. And you know the NASCAR, it's not it, there's going to be violence, shit's going to happen. 
Mark my words. It, shit's going to happen. It's just a stupid fucking idea. But they are so flexed on this woke thing. They got pride cars. The 48 team runs the ally pride car. There's pride flags. There's this. There's that. The Bubba Wallace thing. There is not a piece of marketing material that doesn't have Bubba Wallace on it. And he's only won a couple times. Literally. I mean, he's won each year, but it's just a couple times. He has not a lot of wins. He was advanced out of trucks to Xfinity to NASCAR with not really accomplishing anything that you would need, like a championship or something. No, not even competing for a championship. He just gets a couple wins. He's not a bad driver, but he's just not this superstar. But they publicize it because it gets some clicks, and they just want lefties. And just like everything else, you're just insulting your normal customers. It's so fucking stupid. So, that wraps up another episode of Flavor Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to SoundCloud Flavor Politic with the gay Rumble 482467 Send me an email at foppodcast at gmail.com Make sure you disconnect from all your vices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. We're gonna go with a uh, let's go 14 14 June, year of our Lord, 2023, for our next show. Hope you all take care out there. And as always, thanks for listening. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. It's seven lives.